Welcome guys, welcome to the third episode of the Three Man Wall. I'm here with Gio, we're going to go over, uh, most of it is going to be transfer rumors today uh, and a little bit of what we think of individual players and some signings that are close already. Um, we'll go over Ericsson's situation, Pogba apparently practically a done deal, same as same as Dybala to enter. We'll talk about Zidane, which we did in the last uh, last episode and we'll talk a little bit about some of Barcelona's transfer targets as well as one thing that we mentioned in the first episode which we're going to bring back is Luis Suarez. So Gio, how how are we doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's nice to be back on a on our first midweek podcast. So um as Ricky said there's definitely uh some good topics to cover for us today. Some more trans- transfers starting to be confirmed a little bit around and um, starting to get some more information filter through about some of the b- bigger names and still a lot of, um, a lot of stuff here that, uh, you know, is up in the air and, um, you know, in soccer, you can, nothing's a guarantee until what I will say is nothing's a guarantee until I see the guy with the scarf in the airport. That's how I know. But then even then, right. who knows? <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I can, uh, I can get on board with that. I like that. Um, since you're, uh, an Italian guy, fake Italian, uh, <clears throat> Whatever you want to call it, True. we are. Um, we're going to start with with some Serie A um, topics. We're going to start with Dybala, who is practically confirmed as an Inter signing. But then there was one report from Di Marzio saying that um, Lukaku might no longer be an option because Inter might be torn between him or Dybala. So, what do you think is going to happen there? Who do they? Who should they go for? And um, do you think that they can work it out so that both of them come in? without getting rid of anybody else up top. <clears throat> yeah, it's um I mean, quite honestly, um when when they were linking Dybala and Lukaku, um, you know, all of us, most of us were saying, how the heck are they gonna do that, right? Like how are they gonna pull that one off? And um I think the most realistic course of action here is gonna be uh Dybala eventually joining. I know that Di Marzio is is kind of planted a seed of doubt there, but I just think too with the operation with Lukaku uh, coming in from Chelsea, it's just I feel like there's going to be a lot of hoops um, and things to jump through with that. I mean, um, I know you mentioned right before we we recorded here that there is quite a bit of separation on the the loan figures that Inter want to pay and Chelsea are are requesting. Um, yeah, so, so apparently, apparently there's a so it's about fifteen million dollar uh, euro difference. So Inter are willing to pay about seven tops for Lukaku's loan and uh, Chelsea were asking initially for almost 25. So I think they've, they've lowered it to 15 and uh, reports say that the least they would let him go for, for, for a loan is 10 million. So if Inter can get up to that valuation, then they could have the Belgian striker in their ranks again. But I, I seriously... I think it's going to go through just because of the fact of how urgent it is for Lukaku to get out of Chelsea and Tuchel to get rid of him. Do you think, um, when you say it's going to go through, do you think like to, to enter or just in general? To enter. I think to enter. Like he's eager to return specifically to, to, to enter. So I think it, it's going to happen. But here's, and here's the thing. And I think I may have mentioned that last, last time. Um, Dybala, Lautaro and Lukaku. To me, like, doesn't really work, especially if you have Shogunoglu and, um, and Mikitarian in behind. So I think you have to get rid of someone. Obviously, it's not going to be Dybala. It's not going to be Shogunoglu. It's not going to be Mikitarian. So that, that leaves you with Lautaro 
um, Lukaku would be coming in. So it's either Lautaro, Joaquin Correa, and Edin Dzeko, um, who is apparently already out the door. So I think, and I insist, it should be Lautaro. Uh, between him and, and Lukaku, the better striker is definitely the um, the latter. And, and I just think that he should be the one going out. And they, there will be a lot of interest and there will be a lot of possibilities to, to make good money through that sale. You think, um, sorry, you're saying, just to confirm, you're saying Lukaku is better than Lautaro and therefore Lautaro should be sold? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I have a little bit of a different thought on it. I mean, I don't disagree with you. I think that at this current moment, Lukaku, I mean, we saw when he was with with Inter that he was dominant. I mean, his hold-up play in the city uh, and his power, his speed... I mean, he's not really known for speed, but man, he was he was quick off the line there, making runs in behind, plus an aerial threat, and basically scored from every which way you could ask for from a from a number nine. But I, I don't know. I think I think at this point, um, with Dybala, I think Dybala just gives you a different dynamic up front. I think Lautaro, unless there's a mega offer coming your way, which we can't rule out. <laughs> I think be, given the fact that he's much younger too, he's still a young guy. I think he's what, like 24, 25 years old. Uh, Lukaku's, you know, um, closer to 30. Closer and, to 30. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, but then again, you know, Inter is, is a team that's that's in the now. I mean, they're, they're wanting to win every year. They're wanting to make an impact on Champions League. So I can see them thinking about the right now. Um, but um, yeah, I think, I think the way that they're probably going to go, if I had to guess, would be I would think that they would get the deal closed for Dybala. Um, I think that they would do everything in their power to get rid of um, Correa and um, and and Zako, as you said, is on his way out. I just yeah. I mean, unless like ten million is like really not a lot for a team like Inter, and I could see them activating that. But like you said, like I, I think that Dybala. Trump's the acquisition of, of Lukaku for Inter, whether or not you think Dybala or, or Lukaku is the better player to get. Um, so I don't know. It's actually really interesting because the three of them don't make a whole lot of sense, like you said. So They don't make any sense unless you want to play with Dybala in behind both of them. But then what? where does Mkhitaryan go? Like, Is he going to be just a bench, a bench player coming out? That's exactly what Mkhitaryan's going to be. That's exactly what Mkhitaryan's going to be. Mickey's going to be yeah, a bench you player. Have Shog, you, you have Shahanoglu too. And I know, but you know what? If I'm Inter and I can make this work, I will put Shahanoglu on the bench for Dybala. Yeah, like if you want to, if you want to make it work for Inter, it, it, like seeing as they play with a, with a back three, would have to be a three four one two where you put Dybala in front of the midfield, and now he's he's supplying some service to both Lautaro and Lukaku. I could see it work, but I don't think I don't think. That's what they should do. Also, you got to think about the the salaries of each one, right? Um, yeah, exactly. Like exactly. They're, they're they're all key players and and important players in Europe. So obviously, Dybala is going to come in and and earn close to seven million. Lukaku would have to like get a take a pay cut of about fifty percent, would still get him on like six to seven million. Um, and so those are important wages in Italian football. And I don't, I just don't think uh, Inter should should go through the trouble and. I, I think if, if you have to pick, if you play a 3-5-2 and you have to pick the, the partnership up top between Lukaku, Dybala and Lautaro, I think Dybala and Lukaku is more interesting for me that, than, uh, than that of Lautaro and, and Lukaku together. 
But you also saw too, I can see that point of view, but I also like going off of history. I mean, Lukaku and Lautaro were, were like terrorizing teams together. That partnership is proven. I mean, they were under Conte. They were in, like incredibly lethal, the two of them together. So, I mean, it's, it's an interesting dilemma for them. I think here, I'll, let's put it this way. I have a question. If they don't get Dybala, and they go for Lukaku, right? Let's just say they get one out of the two and, and it's Lukaku, right? Given yeah. given the urgency. I, I'm kind of curious then where that leaves Dybala, um, where yeah. he would go. Because he's, he's not going to Roma. Like Roma cannot, um, as much as that's a dream of mine, like having Tammy Abraham, Pellegrini, Dybala, and Zanion the same attack, Jesus, that's a that's a dream. But <laughs> given the fact that like Roma cannot actually activate the growth decree on his contract um, when they sign him, it, they they're not a club in a position to be able to to even remotely afford that. Um, so uh, does that? I think that pushes DiBala probably to La Liga. La Liga, maybe Premier League. I mean, I don't know. And then to be honest, I don't think even DiBala has thought of that. Because Inter was always this this great possibility. They were in talks from even before the season was was finished, and from the moment he could negotiate with other teams, Inter was there. Inter was wanting to make clear <laughs> that they were extremely interested and that they wanted to add him to his to their ranks. And and I think Dybala was always looking to Inter. Um, and and even when he knew that he might still renew his contract with Juventus, when that was still a possibility, Inter was very much. In the in the fight for him, and and I think uh, I think it's gonna happen. I think to be honest, I think both Lukaku and Dybala are gonna be Inter players before the start of next season, and um, that just leaves. I think I think uh, Lautaro is the odd man out. I really hope that, that doesn't scenario. happen. As a Roma fan, I really hope that doesn't happen. Well, but as a Chelsea fan, I want to see Lautaro go to Chelsea. I, I think uh, they should make a bigger a bigger effort. To get him in, to get him to Chelsea instead of uh, of Lukaku, because Chelsea is going to need a proper number nine. I wonder not to spend too much time on this. I know we want to move to other topics, yeah. <laughs> but um, just one last thing I wanted to 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 include. Do you two things? One one quickly here though. Do you think that there could be a world where Chelsea and Inter? negotiate a deal that involves Lautaro going to Chelsea and Lukaku returning to Inter. Not like a one-for-one swap, but a situation where that could happen. Um, So within the same Lukaku deal, no. uh, Because they've said that they don't want any exchange players in this deal. Because they've also kind of talked about Skriniar being very much a a player of interest, not only to Chelsea, but to other European giants like PSG. And True. I don't think, like, not within the same deal, but definitely, like, Inter could be interested in, uh, I think even months ago, they were kind of interested in Bastoni for a bit. So they could definitely be interested in, in some of the players that Inter has. And, and I think Lautaro, if anyone up top is the guy that they would be interested in taking and snatching up for the for that proper number nine position. You know, I think... I think it should be, but I don't know if Chelsea's going to make the effort. They they have other priorities before that one. Yeah, I What's agree. The second question. Last one. Yeah, sorry. I know this is uh, soaking up a little time, <laughs> but it's 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 probably one of the most prevalent stories going on right now. 
other than um, right. Lewandowski throwing a fit. But um, basically, another speaking of Lewandowski, um, another thing I could honestly see though with Lukaku is the other tangible option is Bayern I mean, Munich. I could see that. That'd be really interesting yeah. him in the Bundesliga because I mean, yeah. unless Lewandowski, the reports are so spread across different opinions. Um, you're hearing different things from executives within the club management and Lewandowski's camp, but under the, under the, the idea that Lewandowski were to actually leave, um, I could definitely see Lukaku getting a loan out to the Bundesliga. I think that'd be an interesting fit. I, yeah, I think it would be very interesting. I think he could definitely, uh, be a, a quality replacement for Lewandowski. Um, I mean, I don't. I don't see it happening right now because of the fact that Lukaku is so sure that he wants Inter and Inter wants him and Chelsea wants to get him to Inter. So I think right now it's 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 not there, but it could definitely be. And I, I've heard some reports suggesting that if um, if if need be, that they would maybe consider Lukaku as a as a number nine at Bayern. But I don't I don't I don't see that happening just just yet. We'll see how it it all kind of unfolds. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think Inter is in definitely the next couple weeks probably the priority at this point for both sides a hundred percent and um okay so let's let's move on <laughs> move on to yes. the next one hopefully the yeah. rest of the topics don't take us uh 15 minutes but <laughs> we'll go we'll go to uh we'll stay in Italy. we'll go to juventus because they've just closed the signing of paul pogba on a free transfer um it's not official fully official yet the club hasn't announced it but it's pretty much done uh the most trusted Journalists have uh, have reported that it's it's done it's a done deal and and Pogba is set to join Juventus uh, I believe on a four year deal um, could be wrong it could be a five year deal but uh, what do you think he adds to the table is he is he the piece that was missing in Juventus's uh, midfield I think he I mean let's face it Pogba is an extremely dynamic player I mean he has such good like passing ability you know he's such a a dominant player in the midfield. Um, and he was especially a dominant midfielder with Juventus, which also, um, you know, adds a lot of uh, appeal to, to, you know, reacquiring him if you're Juventus. Um, I don't know if he was, say, the missing piece. I think that Juventus is actually kind of in a downward turn a little bit at this point. Do I think Pogba is going to help? Yes. Do I think that he'll soften the blow a little bit of losing Dybala? Yes. But the way that Allegri plays football, um, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, the way the team is is constructed, um, it's a little bit, I don't know. I feel like there's a little bit of, they're splashing money around and I, I don't know. It kind of feels like a puzzle that hasn't yet worked. Um, and we'll see. I, you know. I feel like Juventus, Juventus when like on the uh, in any transfer window, to be honest, they either splash money on like what they think is a good opportunity, or get someone on a free because again, it's a good opportunity, but it's not necessarily something that goes according to a set plan. It's it's just something that works. For example, when they when they got Artur for Pjanic, and pretty much it was the same amount of money that was transferred between clubs. So it was technically on a on a free almost. Uh, they got they got Pirlo on a free. They got, and Pirlo obviously was the exception to the rule. He was fantastic for them uh, and gave him what what he gave them right. But I think that's that's more like what Juventus do on a transfer market on on a, on a window. It's it's more okay an opportunity here or there. 
and then they do splash some money around like for when like for Ronaldo when they got him right but I don't think it's it's in line with a specific project or or a plan and that's where the problem comes and that's why they stopped winning uh scudettos and challenging for titles yeah exactly I mean like I think like I think Pogba is definitely going to improve the midfield um you know i think he he like i said he brings a lot of different tools you know like i said i think his best one of his best assets is his ability his passing ability both long and short although playing in an allegri style um he doesn't really play the long ball that that often um so we'll we'll kind of see how he fits in i think i just i don't know juventus has been linked to so many names i kind of want to see what they do like with the rest of what they do before you know i kind of anoint him the missing piece of the, the team but so i like i like that you just said that juventus have been linked to so many players because um they have just been linked to one more we talked about it uh in the first episode and you actually said it suarez has been offered to juventus on a one-year deal for six million a year according to sport media set uh, so I just want to make sure that I say who it's according to. It's not according to us. We're not saying he's going to go to Juventus, but it, it would be interesting. We both, I, I agreed with what you said about Juventus maybe going for him and they should, they, they should t- take that decision. What do you, what do you think? Do you still, do you still think it's a good fit? Would it be a lot, a lot of, a lot better if he has Pogba in behind him? Like what kind of thing do you think he could, he could bring to the table now? I think Luis Suarez, still has a lot of game left. Um, and it'll be interesting to see kind of if he does go to Juventus, how Allegri plans on deploying him alongside Vlahovic. I mean, I know in our first podcast, I did say that I think he was going to, to Juventus. And now he that there's... He can also be a great super sub. Yeah, I think he, I think he could be um, a good super sub. And I also think that he could definitely just bring a different outlook to their attack in the Champions League. Um, I think he, he does, he always plays well on the big stages. And I think Juventus have been, well, I know Juventus have been abysmal in the Champions League for a while now. So kind of having that dynamic in their attack. But, um, yeah, I think it'll be, I think Juventus will have to think to themselves what's their biggest priority right now in terms of how are they going to plug the holes in their squad that have left. So Dybala leaving, I think, I think is going to hurt them more. Um, than they know or more than they think. Um, so if they bring in a guy like Suarez, yeah, I, th- I definitely think he can he can team up quite well with Flahovic. I don't know though if that's the guy that they'll end up prioritizing. Um, I do still have a gut feeling, and I know I've changed my mind since the first week, but I don't know something. I've looked at seeing the links with Suarez, and I, and I do think. I, I don't know if he's coming back to Italy. Just the, the I just got his inner feeling. No real, you know, no real analysis other than that. I just kind of feel like he's going to stick around in La Liga. But I do think he well, can succeed at Juve. Just, just, to, just to disagree with you here. Um, <laughs> there was something you said in, I believe, the last episode we, did, we had about Gabriel Jesus being a sub. And you said being Chelsea, would you spend 50 million on a on a sub even if it's a super sub right and this is the same thing but the opposite obviously with the Suarez. it's a free transfer you're not paying more than six million for him because he apparently wants a one-year deal in europe and then reassess to see if he would extend or not but 
he can and he's willing so he's been willing for a year already to be a secondary to have a secondary role in a team with Atletico so now you know that he's willing to do that you know that it's uh, probably the best sub that you can have and and to, to come into a, a, a team and impact a game any type of game Champions League he's proven himself in the in the highest of levels he's probably the second or third best striker we've had in the last 10 10 years and he can still score some goals I would I would say that he would be a fantastic addition. So I just to, just to disagree with you, a couple of reasons why I think Suarez would be a good addition is definitely an upgrade to Morata. And I think Juventus should go for it. If, if he has indeed been offered to them, I would go for it. It's a no-brainer for me. Well, I, I, well no, and I, moving... Hold on, oh, one thing. One, sorry, one last <laughs> thing. I just want to say, I do agree with you that I think he would actually do quite well at Juventus. And Vlahovic is still a really young striker, so it's nice to have that experience up there with him. I yeah. think the, I just think, because of what I've just been reading with all these links with Suarez, I even saw actually an article that said that their prediction for him was River Plate. Mm-hmm. Which is really kind yeah. of red. So he's um, been linked to them, yeah. Yeah, so he's been linked to a, a number of different squads. I just think if he stays in Europe, he I feel like if he's going to choose Juventus for him, like as Suarez, I think he wants to go to a team, if he's going to go into that secondary role, he's going to go to a team that he believes can actually either A, win the, the Champions League or win some kind of trophy, some kind of silverware. I don't know about Juventus. I'm not high on them. I don't think that they're very, I don't think they have much of a chance in the in the Champions League at all. Um, and honestly, I don't think they have much of, I think they're not that highly rated, even the City. I think there's two teams for sure, maybe even three teams ahead of them for the Scudetto race. So I don't know. I, I just don't know how appealing that would be for Suarez, but prove me wrong, Louis. Again, yes. So for the sake of disagreeing with you again. Um, <laughs> so you said about winning. Yeah. Suarez has won everything there is to win at the club level. He's 33, 34 years old. He can't make, he can't hack it in the in La Liga right now. At least not with Atletico de Madrid. Maybe if he was in a better team, he would. Premier League seems like a great challenge, but I think right now he's looking for a great experience, and that could definitely be um, that could definitely be the Serie A. He was again, he was very close to signing for Juventus a couple of years ago. Why not? Why not now? He could do it for a year if he likes it. He can extend his contract. If or if he if he sees himself capable, he can extend his contract and stay for another one. If not, he can go back to South America or the MLS or wherever it's wherever he's going to take the next step in his career. But I think I think I would do it. It's a no brainer. But let's not talk about this anymore because we we definitely won't agree on anything. Let's go over <laughs> to the uh, last but not least, and I wanted to finish the Italian football talk with As Roma because obviously. It's it's your team. So Roma have announced the signing of Nemanja Matic from well as a free agent for a year. What do you think he brings to the table? What does what does Roma? I think personally, experience and Roma might not have that much of that in the midfield. So what do you think was the difference maker here? Why is he at Roma now? Well, first off, I want to say I think it's a great signing, um, especially for Roma. <laughs> Ricky sprouting a smile, of course. Um, <laughs> because listen, Nemanja Matic coming into Roma isn't—he's not coming in to be a starter um, or coming in to be you know a key cog to the midfield. This guy—he's going to be a rotation player. He's going to probably play in a little bit of the slower pace games, especially 
Like, I think he's going to, you're probably going to see him being played against some of the lower level teams where they kind of sit back um, and they'll play a low block. So he's not, I don't think he's going to be coming into Roma and he's going to be playing a game in, in games where they're going to be extremely physically demanding. And I don't think he's going to be doing it at, um, at, at a high frequency, but yeah, like you said, the main thing you said is he brings in experience and on top of experience, there's a word in Italian soccer that I hear, and it's it, it, the word is grinta, and grinta basically means it's kind of like a, a word for gritty, uh, like a term for gritty, and a word for kind of like just being a bit of a jackass and having that kind of swagger and that kind of um, you know mean to play against kind of guy. And I think that when things are going wrong, Matic is the kind of guy that can step up in a locker room especially with a young team like Roma, the Zaniolos, the Abrahams, even the Pellegrini, who's a captain, is still a young guy. Zaleski is coming yeah. into his own. Ibanez, the, um, Mancini, a lot of young younger guys um, that I think he can provide a lot of guidance for. Eduardo Bove in the midfield, I think we'll, we'll learn a lot from, from Matic. And one last thing I wanted to mention too about Matic, the reunion with Mourinho. I mean, Matic has played his best club career football under Mourinho. Every, the he three has, times yeah. he's been, yeah, the three times he's been with Mourinho, he was he's had his most highly rated seasons um, in the Premier League. So there's clearly clearly a connection between him and Mourinho, um, and a and a love there that um, you know is that should set up for a good spell at Roma. He replaces the experience of Mkhitaryan, although he's a very different player. Um, I like it. I think it's a good addition for a younger team, and I think it's gonna. I think it'll go a long way in the long run uh, in terms of what he can bring. Wow! Talk about Roma, and you can go on and on and on. Uh, yeah. So I I agree with I agree with most of us. Uh, pretty much, pretty much everything you said. But I think this the. I'm gonna be honest. I think the sole reason why he's joining Roma is is Jose Mourinho. I don't think oh, for sure. Um, I don't think Roma is is what attracted him. Uh, maybe the appeal of playing in Italy, really offensive the city, you know, the, the food that might be good. I don't think it was Roma. Um, but he, cause in the end, I think he must've had some premier league offers. He must've, um, even if it's, if it's, I don't know, a club like Fulham or, or Aston Villa or Wolves or something like that, there must've been some kind of, uh, of interest to pick him up in the premier league. Uh, I do think it's a good fit, especially because again, Jose Mourinho, um, He's played his best football, you're right, under Jose Mourinho. And I think it's the only reason. I think it's the only reason why he's, why he's going there. I think that's why he's signed a one-year contract. You never know. You know what happens to Mourinho on the third season? He gets sacked. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and I love I love Mourinho. I love Mourinho. But he throws himself at a job with so much passion and so much energy. And then players love him. Everybody loves him at the beginning. And then slowly, slowly the relationship starts to kind of deteriorate deteriorate sorry and then third year comes and he either leaves or he's sacked he, i don't think he's gone past three years ever in a single team uh and i think I, I, correct me if i'm wrong may, maybe united but i doubt it like with chelsea it was three years since twice um i think i think well going back to going back to matthew sorry um i think that's the sole reason but i do think it's a good fit i do think it's going to help the young the young lads in the team, but make no mistake, Gio, it was, it was the Italian appeal and it was, uh, Mourinho. I don't think it was anything, anything else. Well, listen, I'm always a little bit surprised why some of these players would like to go 
to the rain and the cold and the bad food. <laughs> when, like, I mean, come on. Like, what the hell am I going to do in Liverpool? Or am I going to do, you know, in some in Birmingham or whatever these cities when I can be in, in Roma or Milan and have the best pizza of my life, the best weather? You know, I, I don't get it. These guys got their priorities all wrong. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it either. Why? Why? Why is there football in any other country? Right? right? Honestly, just centralize <laughs> it. <laughs> no, but in, in all seriousness, he did. Uh, he was. I think he was fantastic next to Conte in uh, with with Antonio Conte. But even with Mourinho, he was he was very good. When we had a, a midfield with Fabregas, he he was he was fantastic. I think Matic is a great addition. He's not in his prime anymore, but he can still support the locker room and he can still add. He can still give something that might be missing in there. Uh, I'm sorry, okay. Ricky. Ricky, yes. Ricky, Ricky. One last thing. One last thing. Always. Go on, always. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, and one thing too, he's not coming in as the main defensive midfielder for Roma. I think that they're going to explore the market. And, and I know we've been linked with Ruben Neves, which is not going to happen. And uh, Douglas <laughs> Luiz, which I think is more realistic, but we'll see. Nonetheless, for Mourinho's system, Roma did really lack defensive midfielders. So I think that's another reason you're seeing him being brought into the rotation. Yeah, no. and I mean it's a, it's a, it's a good signing for them. Um, okay, let's get out of Thanks, here Ray. now. Enough, enough. We spent almost thirty minutes here. Um, Love it. Let's go to let's go to England first. Christian Eriksen is a free agent now. He has rejected an, uh, a renewal offer from Brentford, which many might think it's kind of a bit of a you know a mean thing to do, given taking into account that they they trusted him after his cardiac arrest and and that whole episode. But, well, I mean, it's definitely, it, they, they are out of his league, to be honest. Uh, and, and if he can still play, and he, and he can still play at a great level, he should explore his options, I think. Uh, he has been a person of interest for Tottenham. So maybe a return there under Antonio Conte, who he already had at Inter and, and, and really liked. And Manchester United. Apparently, United has, has offered something already. They've had a first offer from United. Uh, but Tottenham is just a, a, an, an interest right now. So what do you think? And we ran a poll actually on Twitter and United was by, well, actually it was pretty tight, but United was, was up. It, I think it was 52% to 48 uh, in, in favor of United. So do you think he should go to Manchester United under Eric Ten Hag or should he go to a coach that he already knows with Antonio Conte? Yeah, I think honestly... For for me, if I were him, it's a, you know it's it's an interesting question. I personally think that he will probably end up at Tottenham. Um, I know that there's some history already there. Um, obviously, things didn't go great with Mourinho um, at Tottenham, but I think that was more of the coach and player just kind of situation. Um, but I, I I don't know. Did you watch that documentary on uh, on Tottenham and Mourinho? I forget what it's I on. Did, I did, yeah, yeah. You could just tell through that, and this is just me as a as a you know a viewer, and you know no nobody that knows anything. But <laughs> but you could tell that he was. I think he's really beloved by a lot of those key guys. I think he got you know with Son and Kane, who are still big uh, big parts of that team there. Um, and he was a really beloved guy. And I think everything that this guy's gone through. And the way he's come back, I mean, he's obviously an inspiration to to so many footballers out there. Just his perseverance to even play again is 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 unbelievable. Um, yeah, I and think, then, I think 
more more important than that is just the fact that he can still add a lot of value to absolutely Tottenham in the midfield. Yeah, yeah, he's not even that's that's a great point. Like, he's not even just playing at a low level and making his way back. He's actually playing well. Like we saw it at Brentford, yeah. he was he was a difference. He, he was, he was probably the most important player to to help them uh remain in the premier league i think sure he like from the moment he made his debut brentford they were playing a, a level up with him which does surprise me a little bit as to why you know he's kind of quickly dismissed the renewal at brentford i mean there might be personal decisions on, on that and maybe different ambitions but I, I am a little bit a little bit surprised that brentford's not in the mix anymore for him but nonetheless i think i, also- I just think he's he's a much better player than than a player for, for brentford i just think that's that's the thing yeah that's a good point i mean he's you know what he's still an ambitious guy he's still still wanting to to you know win certain things in his career you know he's still got a lot of runway left so i can understand him you know not wanting to be kind of with a middle club so wait so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go again uh, i'm gonna disagree with you and I'm going to go with United. I would go to Manchester United. I think he's been through Tottenham. He kind of knows what he can give to Tottenham. He, he also knows Conte, so he knows what he can expect from him. They were, at the beginning with Inter, it wasn't the best for him. Uh, and then it's, he slowly kind of gained, gained more momentum and started making the, the, the first 11 on games. But I think that I would go to United, especially if you know that the likes of Frankie de Jong might, might be close you know if Anthony might be close to to a deal um Ronaldo's still going to be there Jadon Sancho can do a lot better with with Ten Hag um and there's a lot of interesting pieces at United that can be that can work a lot better so like just imagine if you have Frankie de Jong as as like a lower kind of center midfielder center defensive midfielder and and you have a midfield composed of uh, Bruno Fernandes and Eriksen or even Van de Beek you know even Fred has had good games McTominay has had decent games and is more defensive. So I think there are like from the midfield up at least, there's a lot of different ways in which United can improve a lot. And and reports have been saying that Ten Hag not only wants to explore the market because he does want to, and there has to be some sort of revolution. But he also thinks that many players have been underperforming and that he can get the best out of them. So I think uh I would I would go to United. I would feel more attracted to go to United. It's a new experience and he knows the Premier League. Yeah, I mean Again, to disagree with you, <laughs> I mean, I know I've said about Tottenham, so I'm not going to get into it, but I just, I mean, when you bring up Frankie de Jong, that's still a big if, um, so we'll see how that plays out, but, you know, I just think, um, like you said, he did start a little bit slow under Conte, but as that season went on, he really started to become a lot more of a of, a, of an important player, um, and I do think that in the Premier League context as well, I think he can provide a lot of value in a place like Tottenham. Like I said, he's played there. You might look at that as like, well, he's already been there, done that kind of thing. But I think familiarity, as we see with a lot of footballers, is can't really be diminished. Like you look at Lukaku. I mean, he had a great, I mean, obviously Lukaku had a more prolific time at Inter than Ericsson had at Tottenham. But nonetheless, I think that level of comfort there. I also think that there's family things to, to, to bring into as well. Like I think, you know, he's got a family with kids and, um, you know, going to somewhere that's familiar with a young family as well could also be enticing as well. So, you know, we'll see where he goes. I think quite honestly, I don't really see either of them being a bad option, but if I had to place my money down now, I think Tottenham would have the upper hand, but we'll see. I'm probably going to be very wrong on a lot of things. And this might be one of them. I just, I just, (laughs) I just think that, I mean, and I'm, I'm, I'm this hopeless 
hopeless romantic that thinks that United is going to go back to their level, um, like eventually, and that something's got to give and they, they eventually have to go back to it. And I think I've never had my hopes up so much. And again, I'm not a United fan, but I've never had my hopes up so much uh, like like now with Ten Hag. I think that he he has a clear idea of what he wants. It's the first time that it seems like the board is kind of supporting a, a coach that's coming in in terms of signings and, and, and negotiations. So if, if he's able to bring the two or three key players that he wants, then I think that it can be a very important year for, for United to transition into becoming a, a much, much better team and definitely uh, a frequent, frequent prior in the top four. You know, So I think, uh, I think it, it might be their year, not to, not to maybe challenge for the title, but definitely that top four has to be there if, if, we close, if they close some of those, those deals. Um, no, don't forget two okay, Newcastle's so, in the race as well. Newcastle, yeah, 100%. <laughs> 100%. Um, so speaking of that top four, we got, we got Tottenham, who made the top four in the last couple uh, match weeks last season. And they're actually getting ahead of many other competitors in the, in, in the Premier League in terms of the market. They've, uh, they've already signed Perisic, um, and now they've confirmed the signing of Bizuma from Brighton. I, I gotta be honest, that one hurts because I think he was a perfect replacement to N'Golo Kante at Chelsea, who, who again, like you mentioned last, last time out, it was, uh, he's, he's one year away from, from finishing his contract. That might pick up some interest, but either way, I think Bizuma was a great option. And now he's just signed for Tottenham. So that means he's, they're strengthening the, the midfield. They already got Bentancourt, who had a great season. They got Kulusevsky. Um, and now they could be, they, well, they are getting Bisuma and they got Perisic. So I think it's a, they're doing a great job. There, he's, uh, Conte is finally being supported. Um, Romero was also signed from Atalanta, right? So, so it's a, it's a, looking good. It's looking good for Tottenham. And, um, I just, I just, it, it feels like the same, well, the first times that, Conte is actually being supported uh, ever since he got Tottenham, and he, he, like I said, he's he said that publicly before. So there's a change, and I think it's positive. And I think now you can actually convince uh, Hyun Min Son or Harry Kane that they're in the right place and that they can slowly challenge for titles because that's what Conte does. Conte is a winner. Yeah, no, I I I totally agree, and I think um, um, you know Tottenham is. I think what Conte did with Tottenham to get him and get them into a Champions League place was was incredible work, um, and I think you know now they have a world class coach at the realm and um, like you said, uh, this guy that they're bringing in Busuma is uh, he's a fantastic midfielder. I know he's got I don't know if you knew, but there are some kind of like legal issues surrounding him um, with what was I believe like a possible um, sexual assault case of some kind. Now again, these are rumors so i don't actually know the full extent of it but um that's one thing that uh, you know you always want to be cognizant of yeah. as a club from a moral standpoint and make sure you do your due diligence um you know we know with things like mason greenwood as well that there's no place for for people like that um in football when they do things like that so again i mean this that's just nor here nor there um but if we're looking at it just from a footballing standpoint i mean he played at a incredible Honestly, I think Brighton was the most impressive team in the PL 
Yeah, um, overperforming uh, right inside. 100%. Graham Potter is, I think, one of the best coaches in the world right now in terms of the way he plays football. Has he proven it? No. So don't jump on me and say I'm not saying he's one of the like, you know, most legendary coaches of all time. I'm not putting him in the same yeah. elk as Pep and whatever and whoever you want to put in there. But in terms of up and coming, I think he's made a lot of players. Like I think you saw guys like Cucurella play unbelievable under him, um, and just his well, you know what it is like him. with 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 Potter is that I think that he's turned a Brighton side that should be fighting for relegation every year, and he's he's gotten them slightly better to be slightly slightly better than that. And I think like these type of teams, you expect them to be, uh, you know, the the, the kind of hardworking, greedy, greedy teams that just kind of beat you 1-0 because they had a good chance and they defended the rest of the game. Uh, kind of like when, like, remember when Sheffield was in the Premier League and they did a great job in the first year. Um, or or kind of Wolverhampton when they just got up again, right? It was very much that type of side where, like, you would they would get two chances and put them away and that's how they would win games. Um, lock it down. That's, that's basically how Leicester won the league. So that's kind of like, that. that's a very common style in the Premier League, especially from the lower tier clubs. And Graham Potter has taken them to a level where, where they all of a sudden they're dominating games against the likes of Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, you know, and it, and it's it's great. United, one hundred percent, you know, they I, I, was it was it Brighton that scored like three past United this year. So it, yeah. you're definitely gotten them to a point where now you can start building on that, and and I think it's it's good, and 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 the, the it, it kind of sucks on one side because. Now some of those players are going to get picked up, like Kukurella, who's probably going to City, Bizuma, who's going to Tottenham, you know, and 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 there's slowly going to be more players that come out of there that are going to be and they kind of tear apart the team. But I think, yeah, he's a phenomenal coach, and I, he's definitely proven it to some extent. For sure, for sure, and I think we'll see Bizuma fitting quite well um, at Tottenham um, uh, from a footballing standpoint. So. Um, yeah, I think Tottenham is going to be an interesting, interesting team to follow next year. And I'll be, be very intrigued to see where they, where they slot in amongst the, the bigger sides in the top of the table and see what, what Conte can I'm do. I'm definitely, I'm definitely excited for, for Tottenham and I, and especially I want to see them in the, in the Champions League. We'll see if that front three is, is good enough. So in addition, so adding to that front three, we could have Rafinha now because apparently Barcelona were wanting him as a replacement to Dembele, who's, who's Chelsea bound. And then I love that one, by the way. Um, so now apparently he's not, he's no longer an option, uh, because of the price. Obviously Leeds was not relegated. So if, if he was, if they were relegated, he was going to be somewhere around 15 million. And now it's looking like 50, 55 million. So Barcelona can't pay that kind of money because again, guys, they're broke. And I don't know what Lewandowski is <laughs> waiting for, but these guys are in a very bad situation. They can't pay 55 million for Rafinha. So. Now it looks like he's a target, a top target for Arsenal and Tottenham. So, and now that we were talking about Tottenham, Kulusevsky came into that right-hand side and was fantastic for, for the second half of the season. Would you get Rafinha? Is he a sub now? Because now you're looking, if he will be a sub, you're spending another 55 million on a sub, right? Um, yeah, I mean... I don't think that from Tottenham's perspective that that would be somewhere I'd want to spend that much money um, for a $55 million sub, especially like you just said, like they dished out quite a bit to get Kulusevsky, who's fit in really well. Um, I think you can supplement that position with, with you know, perhaps like a 25, 20 million pound player 
um, instead of going after a guy like Rafinha. And even for Rafinha, like, do I want to go to Tottenham as a sub? Or, I mean, we do know that Arsenal's like attacking, you know, carousel up front is still up in the air. So I think just like we were talking about last episode with Gabriel Jesus and the, the pull towards a team like <laughs> a team like Arsenal, um, or so yeah, Gabriel Jesus with a team like Arsenal, I think that same kind of thing could be for, for Rafinha as well, you know, be able to kind of come in as one of the key cogs. And if Jesus does end up in Arsenal, you know, a couple Brazilians there, I'm sure they'll they'll want to link up and who knows. It's always a party when Brazilians are involved, huh? Um, <laughs> no, and <laughs> I gotta say that. Um, no, I, I wanted to. Um, I, I wanted to add, like, yeah, not just Tottenham, but not just Tottenham, but Arsenal, right? And I think that he could definitely impact a little more with Arsenal. But you also gotta, and I gotta say this: you gotta, you gotta take into account that Bukayo Saka is is an Arsenal player and that he's been very, very good. And his his projection is is that he's going to be a top player, right? So you got to have some room for that development to happen. And I'm sure that Arteta is kind of thinking about it. And that's why maybe he would prefer the likes of Gabriel Jesus, who can also play as a as a center forward, to have Bukayo Saka kind of take ownership of that right hand side. So I would I would prefer him to go to Spurs. But again, Kulusevski has been fantastic, and I don't know if he wants to share the minutes with uh, with Rafinha or if Rafinha even wants to. I think there's like there's another Premier League club that's bound to come out and be interested in him if he doesn't go to Barca. It, it seemed like he was going to, so maybe that's put off some some suitors. But there's definitely going to be more of them. And 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 I just want to keep ta- unless you have anything more to say on this. I have another little topic in mind. I just have a question for you um, in terms of yeah. <laughs> in terms of Rafinha. Where do you think out of Arsenal and Tottenham? Do you think? And again. I'm, you know, Premier League is I'm, my main focus is Serie A, obviously. So um, don't shred me apart on on some of my Premier League takes. So that's why sometimes you'll see me revert to to Ricky here. Um, <laughs> but I try my best on on the Prem. But where do you think that a guy like so you're Rafinha's agent and Rafinha's? Let's say Rafinha's focus is I want to be as big as part of the team as possible. I want to play as many games and I want to grow with the team. Like where where is a better fit for him? moving forward between the two, in your opinion? Between those two, between Arsenal and, and Tottenham? In terms of like actually playing, not just like, not like in terms of, oh, like where can, you know, I have a better chance to win a title or whatever, where like yeah, we'll yeah. be able to play more. I want to say that it'll be easier for Rafinha to take Saka's place at Arsenal than at Spurs with Kulusevski or Sonny. Because, again, you got to think that he can play on both sides, right? He's not just a right winger. He can play on both sides. So he could play on the left wing too, even though he's, he's very much a left-footed player. Um, so I would say at Arsenal, he can, he can play on the left wing too. And Zaka can also play on the left wing. So maybe, maybe it's going to be easier for him to go there and, and know that he's going to enjoy some minutes. He's also going to be one of the older players there, to be honest, even though he's not very old, but he is definitely older than, than Martin Odegaard. He's definitely older than uh, Smith Rowe, than Bukayo Saka, than Martinelli. Um, so I do think that he will be trusted a lot more at Arsenal. With Spurs, you obviously can't play on the left wing because that's that's all Sonny. You can't play on the, on the, as, a, as a center forward or a false nine because that's Harry Kane. And the only option you have is that right wing. And you got to beat 
Kulusevski, who has been fantastic and who I think is going to get even better this season. So I would say Tottenham wouldn't be an option for me. I would like him. I would like him at Arsenal. Um, and it seems like they're interested. But hold on, because they're also interested in one more player. And, and I just want to say, like, what's going on with right, right hand side wingers? Like, they're all, they're all on the market now. Uh, Gabriel Jesus is there. Sterling is there. Riyad Mahrez could be there. Um, Rafinha obviously is there. Dembele is there. And now a new one has been added, which is Marco Asensio from Real Madrid. Apparently they've slapped a 30 to 35 million price tag on the Spaniards. So that's picked up some interest from Arsenal, from United, which would also be interesting. And um, they say from from Tottenham too, but I don't think that's a serious one. I think Arsenal and United are definitely interested. AC Milan too is the other one I heard. So mm-hmm. yeah, would you take him over Rafinha? As which team? Or just in general? In general, right now. Hmm. I honestly really, really like Asensio. I yeah. think he's, I think honestly, like a deal of 30 to 35 million is actually a little bit of a steal, in my yeah. opinion, on, on this day. So, quite honestly, if I have the choice between two, and I guess you could, I mean, you could make arguments for, for Rafinha too. Um, as to why, you know, he might be a better fit in a, you know, in a certain team. I mean, he has Premier League experience, which might be, you know, something that, that, that certain people value. Um, if it were has um, Champions League experience. That's true. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's really like two, two really good players, but if, if I'm getting my pick of it, I think it's definitely essential. Um, and I do think, you know, for Arsenal, I think that'd be pretty, quite, quite an interesting way to go especially if like you said Saka can play on the left um or even if Asensio is willing to play on the left as well um I think that could be a pretty um pretty dynamic attack um I also think man like him at United would be also really something else as well really interesting um but uh yeah between those two players like them both but I really I really do have a um I do hold Asensio in a high regard and at that price point man that's something but Oma where are you at where are you at? <laughs> let's oh, yeah, so let's go. I was gonna say let's go back <laughs> to Italy. Does he fit in at AC Milan? Yes, absolutely. He fits in AC Milan. I mean, AC Milan has. Um, I mean, there's. St- I mean, we're seeing Rafael Leal. You know, he, that left hand side is pretty much locked down for him. Locked I mean, down, he, yeah, yeah, he's exploded as a as an AC Milan player. But that right hand side does have um, an opening there for Asensio for sure. Um, do I want and to that's go to- the type that's that's the type of deal that AC Milan likes to close, especially recently. You know, the 30 to 35, nothing more than maybe 40. Um, and and obviously look for skills like Giroud on a on a free, you know, like it's it's a type of deal that Maldini is closing right, like these days, and, and I think it would be very, very good. I would honestly prefer him to prefer to see him in the Prem, but AC Milan is a, is an interesting. I mean, they're the Italian champions, right? It could also be very good. He's going to play Champions League 100. percent He goes to Arsenal, he won't. You know, if he goes well, to United, he won't. And that right hand side for that, like you know, right wing, right midfield position for AC Milan is is wouldn't say it's necessarily their weakness, but it is the weaker side for them. Yeah, I mean, they don't really grabs. they don't really have anybody that that you know um that i would be interested in i mean they i think they usually play there with salamakers and junior messiahs 
Um, so, uh, you know, two players that Asensio is like, you know, definitely clear of um, by a large margin. And then also they're bringing, they've, you know, uh, they're also bringing in Renato Sanchez too to the midfield. So do I want them to get him? Absolutely unequivocally. No, <laughs> I don't want Milan getting him. Um, but do I think it's a smart fit for him? Yeah, I do. And it's, uh, it's scary to think that that's, uh, that's a possibility. Okay. Last, uh, last topic, uh, last couple questions here before you have to go back, uh, back to the kitchen and prepare your, uh, lasagna or whatever it was that I heard you were eating of course. later. Um, yeah. Okay, we're going to go with Zidane, who apparently has rejected to join PSG. Um, and, and we all know that what that means, right? We were talking about it uh, in, the last, in the last episode. Probably going to sign for, for the French national team, right? In, after the World Cup in December or January. What do you think about that? Um, well, clearly speaks to his intent, right? Like, I think, I know when we spoke about it last, we did think that he was a really good fit for PSG. And I do think that, that if Zidane were to choose club football to co you know, to manage at any point moving forward here, PSG would be probably the best fit. Honestly, I think that's a perfect fit for him. Um, and, you know, we check out episode two, if you want to know why we think that, um, but um, there's love a lot that. of reasons. Why that. <laughs> there's a lot of reasons why I think he fits at, at PSG and, you know, you can go down the list, but You know, I mean, obviously, look, Zidane has accomplished so much as a, as a player. He's accomplished so much as a manager already. Um, you know, at Real Madrid, he would, he would, what will we call it? He would complete football if he wins the World Cup or the Euros for France as you a know manager what? now, because he's that's won, he's won both of them as a player. And that's that's just it, man. That's just it. Like I think that's what his. I think that honestly, for him at this point. By him rejecting PSG and and seemingly going down the route of the the, the France job, I think it's about legacy for him. Um, you know, he's yeah. he's he's primed himself as the at this point in time, you know, the best French player ever. Um, and um, now it's about you know getting that on, at a managerial level. Um, so clearly, it means a lot to him. Um, but. Uh, Yeah, I do think from a club level, it's, it, PSG was a really good fit for him. But like I said, it's, it speaks to his intent, where, where his mind and focus is at for his career as a manager. And, and um, it'll be interesting to see uh, how he, if, if, I mean, we don't even know if he's taken over France. I mean, that's the ex expectation. But we'll see. I think it's a matter of time, but yeah. Um, okay, so last, last question here. And it's a bit of a bonus, bonus question. Name name one player that for you um, it's well that it's that has surprised you in the sense that no one has really gone for him this summer or that you haven't heard any reports about interests or offers for this said player. Like who is that guy who you think should be on everybody's shortlist and is not? Well, I'm going to throw a bit of a curveball and I want to reverse it back to you first. I want to hear your guys first. I'm going to. Oh my God. My, you, I, you, know can't, the, can, you can't do that. I'm the one asking the questions here. Yeah, I know, but I've, I've just kind of jumped in as, as a secondary host. It was kind of, I pulled a fastball on it. I've, oh, we know that mine's coming from Sedia. Uh, so let's hear Ricky's first. Okay. Of course it is. Um, so <laughs> I actually have two options. One, And is my second option is is Memphis Depay. I think he's playing at a very very high level. Uh, he started great with Barca, and then once 
well, once Aubameyang got into the team and then Bele kind of got into better shape, it was kind of harder and he got less minutes, but he was definitely the the big man up top for, for Barcelona, whether it was on the left wing or as a striker, um, or slash false nine, he was getting it done. And I think if if Xavi keeps him, he should really play him because otherwise it's a waste. And, and I know there's teams that would be happy to have him, but we haven't heard too much about him. Apparently he's, he's, well, he's going to stay at Barcelona is what it seems. It didn't seem like it a couple months ago towards the end of the season, but it looks like he's going to stay at Barca because Barca can't raise that many funds with him, right? As, as they, I, it feels like they've chosen the young, the young to, to raise more funds to kind of improve their, um, their situation, right? But I mean, I think, I think the pie is one. And then the, the biggest one that I think should be on everybody. And I mean, everybody's shortlist because he's a very special player is Christopher and Kunku from, uh, from Leipzig, right? Former PSG. Um, youngster. I think Chelsea should be all over that. I think even Madrid could have been all over that for their right wing. Uh, and I think he's a very, very interesting player. He put up about 50 goal involvements this year. Or oh, I think only Benzema was, was better from the French players. So like pretty much he was fighting shoulder to shoulder with Mbappe and with, and with Benzema in terms of goal involvements this year. And I think, um, I think he should be, he should be a big one. What about you, Gio? What about you? Yeah, no, that's, uh, those are, yeah, I agree with both of those. Although I did, I feel like there's been a little bit of buzz around Ninkunku, but yeah, certainly not as much as you would expect with, with how dominant he was, um, in the Bundesliga. So, um, be interesting to see as the market goes on where he ends up or if he goes anywhere. Liverpool could have been on. Yeah. You mean before the, before Nunez? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Nkunku can play, can play up top. He can play as a left winger. He can play as a right winger. And if you're going to lose Mane, you could have, you could have been there, uh, in looking for Nkunku. You know, he's a great alternative. I don't know if maybe he's gotten to the point where like he would have to be a starter. And that's why maybe teams kind of have their, their situation already set up and that would, they wouldn't want to touch too much. But I think definitely some bigger clubs should be, should be on top of him. Yeah, no, I'd be it'll be interesting to see. I'm surprised Byron's not in that mix. I mean, I know that yeah. they're closing in for Mane, but I mean, you know, we'll see. We'll see where he ends up or or if he stays. So, um, nonetheless, I mean, for me, I'm going to revert it back to City uh, just because why not? Um, I have why two not? players. <laughs> I have. Uh, I I had a tough time with this. I have a, a you know probably four or five players that kind of caught my eye, but. At least for me, I haven't seen much around uh, Nicola Barella from Inter. Um, and the, the thing that's, that's interesting about some of these things too is, you know, with the bigger clubs like Inter in Italy, um, a lot of that could come down to just him being untouchable. You know, maybe Inter is just not even willing to negotiate any sort of exit. Um, but the reason I bring him up is that I know for the past couple of years, um, you know, even while he was at Inter last year, um, and I remember, of course, when he was at still at Cagliari and eventually chose Inter, seems it feels like he's been in the rumor mill for a while. A lot of teams from the Premier League have shown interest. Um, I'm pretty sure it was, I think it was Liverpool that was looking at him pretty closely at one point last year. Um, and I just really love Betel. I think he's such a key to the Italian national team. Every time I watch him, I mean, the guy is so dynamic on the ball. Um, you know, he's really, he's a threat. He's a scoring threat. He's a good distributor of the ball. Um, I think he could really actually, you know, Italians don't necessarily 
they have the greatest track record in the PL um, if you look at it. But um, you know, I think he could definitely fit in at a team like like Liverpool and just be such a dynamic talent for them. So a little bit, intri- a little bit um, surprised maybe that he hasn't been, or at least that I haven't seen as many links as as he usually garners. Um, but that could be up to a number of different things. And um, the next name too, I'm going to bring it back to, to Roma as always. Um, but um, for me, it's uh, it's Nikola Zaleski actually. So whenever there's a big breakout year for a young Roman player um, from Roma, I'm always, I'm always just waiting for the summer for someone to say that someone's willing to snatch him up. And I just get so mad, you know, why can't we have nice things? You know, it's guy has an (laughs) unreal year. He's such a key part. He's, you know, 21 years old or 20 years old or whatever. Um, But um, I think I heard one rumor that maybe he was asked in a deal and Roma shut it down. But, um, you know, I really do think like, I mean, this guy, I mean, he played on a position all year. Um, he's kind of a natural forward slash tacking, you know, midfielder through the left side, filled in for Spinazzola and did incredible under a demanding manager like Mourinho. He really was such a key part for Roma in their, um, you know, conference league and played such a big part of their, their team, uh, throughout the league as well. So young guy, really dynamic player has shown his versatility already at such a young age. I feel like some of the bigger teams will look at that and maybe try to snap him up, especially now that he hasn't necessarily like fully fully broken out he's had one good year under his belt so i'm surprised some teams are not snapping up you know with maybe a lower figure because i think in a couple of years this guy really has the potential to be you know an elite player so um yeah a little surprised that there's not as many links there but um again you never know what the teams maybe they're untouchable to some teams well you know like you were you were just mentioning him Obviously, he's at Roma. Jose Mourinho is at Roma. In the first episode, we were talking about what makes a coach great. And one of the things that we said was that Mourinho is very, very much uh, a coach who likes to develop young players and give them chances, right? So we'll see. I mean, if if Mourinho does a good job with him, which he probably will, and can can slowly progress him into getting more and more minutes, that could be a name that we're talking about a lot next next summer or even in the in the January transfer window. Yeah, no, I think with Spinazzola also back to full health and, and playing now for the national team, he's probably going to reclaim that spot. So it'll be interesting to see how um, how Mourinho uses him. I think he can definitely use him in a more um, advanced position and maybe we can see more of an offensive output from him. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be really great to see see how he fits in uh, in his second year, second full year. All right. Well, that was the bonus question for for the episode. Let's let's close it down here. Gio, pleasure to pleasure to have have you with me talking about soccer again, football, football. My yes, life. yeah, and um, yeah. Likewise, Ricky, as always, and um, you know, you guys can uh, you know, we really appreciate any support and in getting this kind of passion of ours off the ground. Um, so please follow us at the Three Man Wall on Twitter. We always uh, stay really updated for news, so you'll get. Most of your top five league news um, through us will will definitely be on the ball with uh, with Twitter news and retweeting and you know with all the big journalists and um, we'll also have a lot more content coming your way too. Definitely a lot a lot of of Roma Roma content if if Gio um, has any <laughs> any say over it. But yeah, I hijacked yeah, guys. Twitter. We're always happy to have uh, to feel your support and we definitely you can definitely. Uh, send some questions or send any type of comment or what you want to hear about for the next episodes and we'll definitely take those into account 
yeah as always guys thanks so much and um until next time all right you, are you good i'm good buddy all all right. go make your pupusas we'll, you <laughs> we'll catch you guys in the next one all right enjoy your lasagna too <laughs> thanks buddy take care guys